Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, guys? Welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. And on today's show, we have Dynasty's Most Wanted Man, aka the Podfather. We'll talk to him in just one second, but I got to bring in my co host. You guys know him as the man of the hour and the man with the power, Jerry Sinclair. How, how, how excited are you for this guest? Well, good story, Jerry. Let's go right into our guest. Let's talk to the man honestly, himself. Though, that, that's fair. Oh, well, uh, this man needs no introduction, so I'm not giving him one. Podfather, man, uh, the people have demanded since we've been on Player Profiler, it's been, when's Matt Kelly coming on? When's the Podfather coming? It's like, have you ever been in a car with a little kid and they're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's like we're fucking chopped liver. Not that I blame him. It's like every week, when's the Podfather coming on? And here he is. It's the Podfather. Welcome to the show. Mr. Matt Kelly, aka the Podfather. What's up, sir? I'm I'm happy to be here, man. The war zone, baby. I love the war zone. We we don't have the machine gun fire. If you're a longtime listener of the Mind of Mansion or the I Sonic Truth, machine gun. Yeah. Mouth machine gun. You can't yeah. beat the mouth machine gun. But this is the end of crossover week. If you've been listening to Player Profiler all week long, going back to the 23rd, uh, myself and Alan Soslowski and Jax Falcone, we hosted the Sonic Truth. Matt hosted the Trade Gods. We were all over the place. So just a way of introducing hosts from other shows to other platforms, getting out there because the one thing that Player Profiler is doing right now is growing. New shows. The War Zone's been here for a couple of two, three months. You've got the Goat District. You've got First and Fifteen. We keep adding shows, Matt. What else can we expect from Player Profiler as we creep? Literally, as we speak, we're one month, eh, five weeks away from the start of the regular season. Uh, Theo is working on a new show or or rebranding an existing show. We had Dear Mister Fantasy earlier this year. We may bring it back as Dear Ms. Fantasy. Oh, hey now, it's a lady. We don't know. We don't know. We, we might. I don't know. There's talks. We're in talks. We just brought on Mark Garcia to host the first mover show. We're going to have a, a new format for the, the big tilt. So we're ramping up our DFS. We're going to have some uh, props and some betting shows that we're, we're either rebranding, relaunching, whatever it is. I'm happy to do all this stuff. I'm happy to do the crossover. 
Uh, I was uh, the co-host of the Player Profiler today. I jumped on the Dynasty Roundtable show, this show, Trade Gods. It seems like most people want me to talk Dynasty. That seems to be the thing that they want. <laughs> Said I'm happy to do it, man. I have I have I have Dynasty takes. Well, we have a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff coming out of training camp, including Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Rodgers giving back money. But we're going to go into our he's given first... a lot right now. He's yeah, given he's given a lot of uh, he's giving people grief. He's giving giving back money. He's doing he's doing a lot of things, man. Darren, it seems like every year Aaron Rodgers is like. Uh, Wait, is he taking the vaccine? Like every year, it's something with Alaska. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. One year it was like he was even he was in the the dark place and he came out of the darkness. He lives it's every a, he year, lives man. A, he lives He's an interesting life. But uh, I do yes. want to give a shout out to to a young fan named TJ and Indy. We love you, buddy. Thanks for watching the show. But who else we love? We love the folks at Underdog. So let's take one minute. We'll be right back. Let's hear from our friends at Underdog. Let's take a moment to talk about Underdog Fantasy. Now, many of you have already signed up. Thousands have signed up from Player Profiler already over the years. Underdog has supported us since 2020. Much of what you see on Player Profiler is because of Underdog, because of their support. Get the Underdog app. Plug in that promo code UNDERWORLD. I used to play Underdog just for the best ball drafts. I mean, the best ball drafts are amazing. These draft rooms fill so quickly. And you can win life-changing money. You want to take advantage of all the sleepers we talk about on this show? Well... What better place than in an underdog draft room to do that? And I recommend taking your underdog play to the next level by diving into their NFL pickums. It's important to correlate those NFL pickums. You can pick both the quarterbacks and the wide receivers to exceed expectations. Correlate them, and you can five extra payout. Bada bing, bada boom. Underdog Fantasy, the promo code is Underworld. For an instant deposit match up to $100, underdog is the truest friend of the underworld. Yes, they are. And I got to ask real quick, as the man who records those a commercials, minute there. How, how many, how long does it, does it take you? Is that a one take wonder for you? Because I tried to record one for, for a sponsor one time and I literally took like 38 takes. How long did that take you? That was one take, but there were a bunch of cuts. You saw there were a bunch of cuts in there. So that one I had about four or five cuts at least. Uh, I did one though, that was no cuts. I did a, a one minute, just tight read once it was the man one. the myth oh. the legend kudos to I, you, it, sir. it's like it's like i'll never be able to repeat it again but i was like i think i just did it and it, there wasn't any edits and then and then i i was listening to it back and watching it back i was like damn man <laughs> well we're gonna jump into one of our favorite segments we call it good people bad tweets because that's what twitter is especially in the summer because we believe most of these people are good of heart, Matt, but but there are some bad tweets. But in this case, we're going to put a little spin on it. This is going to be good people and bad comments because this was a tweet that was put out from a, a little handle. You know it as Roto Underworld. You can find it as Player Profiler. And it was uh, one of their world-famous graphics. And by the way, shout out to Aaron and the graphics crew. Man, these guys kill it for us. The thumbnails, the graphics on Twitter, they smashed this. And they did this beautiful graphic, and it says, one wide receiver in this class is destined to bust, and his name is Quentin Johnston. Mm. And that quote, and that quote, quote came from a man known as the Podfather. So, yeah. you know, I, I read this tweet, and you got lots of views on this. We're talking five figures, and a lot of you've never played football. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know all these advanced metrics. Yeah. What do you want to say? Because this this came out, and if you haven't listened to the Mind of Mansion, it came out about ten days ago. It was with the Podfather. It was with Matty Kiwoom. 
And you guys literally spent about 45 minutes to an hour talking Quentin Johnston. Now, do you feel do you feel bad? Do, do, do you want to apologize to the Quentin Johnston fanboys? What do you want to say to the people in the comments of these tweets? Well, actually, uh, Nate Liss responded and in, in, in said that he didn't agree with the tweet. So even Nate Liss is coming after me here. And then my response to Nate was simple. It's my response to everybody. What are your who are your top receivers? What, 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 what are your rankings? Because I have Quentin Johnson ranked last among these first-round wide receivers. That's the starting point. He's, he's number four out of four. If I'm starting a franchise today, certainly Jackson Smith and Jacob is my first pick of these guys. Then it's either Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers. Looking more and more like I might want Zay Flowers. I mean, Zay Flowers has uh, had had an excellent camp. Addison's getting pulled over for speeding at a, you know going to 140, 150, 160 in oh, so. a 65. That's showing. So that's sort of a Christian Kirk level knucklehead. I, he, he no no violent acts, so you can't put him. It, you know, in with with the big, uh, serious NFL uh, rule violators, but it's all, but it's just bad decision making, right? So you're like, oh man, that stinks that he's now. I have to classify him as a as a youthful bad decision maker, whereas Zay Flowers is just showing up to work every day, just eating faces, and I'm loving, I'm loving, loving uh, his, his dog factor in camp. And so what I'm getting from Quentin Johnston is what I get from a lot of guys in camp is when they're in shorts and, and there's no defenders around, they look great. I remember a guy named Tajay Sharp looked amazing in Titans camp once upon a time, and he was getting steamed up. And it's every year, Terrace Marshall, I can go down the list, Josh Doxson, you know, they're like, wow, look at these spectacular toe-tapping catches in the back of the end zone in camp. That doesn't tell you anything. That tells you exactly nothing. What I want to hear is this guy's picking up the playbook super fast or his intensity is like starting to freak people out. That's what I want to hear. I'm not hearing any of that, but I am here. The, the shutters are snapping, though, when he's making these catches along the sideline. And what's what's important is we know one of these guys is going to bust from the first round, probably two. The, the hit rate, you know, about 50 percent on these first round wide receivers. So we're looking at two busts out of these four. If you're going to pick someone, it's going to be Quentin Johnson. He comes from the Big 12. He wasn't as dominant as his measurables suggest that he that he should be. So now all of a sudden he's underperforming his athleticism and his physicality at the college level and you're like, well, no, but there are some metrics where he was incredible, like yards per team pass attempt and yards per team broken tackle. Right. And it's like, okay, sure. Okay. You can start to drill in to something like a dominator rating and drill in. But the, when you start drilling in with advanced metrics, just know that advanced metrics can be gamed by good luck. Just like, uh, just like counting stats, right? You could have a couple, uh, Julius Brintz falling down and you going 60 yards for a touchdown up the sideline and one broken tackle and the safety comes at a wrong angle and you take that 60 yards up the middle. Suddenly that's two team pass attempts and you're putting up 120 yards. And suddenly that skews the math and the metric for the, the entire season. Right? So 
this is something I actually, I don't think I've ever talked about this. We talk about small sample traps all the time, but usually it's fantasy gamers chasing counting stats and they, they get, they get fooled by, you know, uh, lots of uh, garbage time or, or uh, pace of play. Right. And you get fooled by that. Okay. Okay. But individual advanced metrics can also be gamed by good luck. And I think in the case, what was interesting about the, the yards per team pass attempt is it's indicative also that if the receiver, the other receivers at TCU are getting luck, getting unlucky, while Quinton Johnson is getting lucky, then suddenly that the metric just skews like crazy. The bottom line is his dominator rating was not as high as a bunch of other receivers. I would look at look at Zay Flowers, he at Boston College. Right, this was there weren't a lot of great receivers around him. Forty six point seven percent dominator rating. Okay, Quinton Johnston's was more than ten points lower than that. Okay, was thirty one point zero, which is fifty seventh percentile, and he was supposed to run super fast, right? Because we know the position. You, you can already see this in camp. Like when I'm seeing this in camp, I'm seeing these like, oh, back shoulder fades. I'm seeing these, all these reps down the field. I don't like what I'm seeing, right? I don't like that at all. I like what I'm seeing from Mike Williams in camp. I like that they're moving him all around the formation. That's what they should be doing, right? And when I start to hear them, they're going to play Mike Williams in the slot and he's been taking reps in the slot and he's the one that's moving all around. Like, good. They need to do that. He's in his late 20s as well. He, they can't just ask him to go post up on the outside and beat alpha corners one on one. That's not that's not that's setting him up to fail. I want Mike Williams to be successful. He's actually proven that he can be a thousand yard receiver in the league. So now they're saying, okay, it's probably going to be Williams and Allen lining up on the right side playing off each other. Okay, well, what does that mean? That means Johnston's by himself on an island. And you're going to have him running these double moves down the field and expecting him to do what he's doing now in camp in shorts against opposing alpha corners? That that What? That's setting him up to be a decoy. If he had deep speed, if he had real deep speed, four, three wheels, then I'd be cool with that from a tactical perspective. Then he's, he's stretching the field and he's actually doing a service for Allen and Williams. And if you're if you're designing an offense, that would make some sense. But the draft pick never made sense, and he never should have been a first round pick because he ran a four five seven. And a guy that runs a four five seven who was making a living on curl routes and nine routes versus entire college. Oh, but don't forget the bubble screens at TCU. That guy's got to have some serious deep speed. If, if you if he has that kind of limited route tree in the NFL. So to take the speed away, take the versatility away, he wasn't used on special teams. He wasn't used out of the backfield. You're, I'm trying to, in my mind's eye, to envision that the way he's going to be used and how he's going to be successful. And the reason I say he's a surefire bust is because I don't see any way for that to be possible. There is just isn't no one with his physical profile including athleticism plays that stretch x role well it's just not possible so i i don't get it i just don't i don't get it and, and i 
you know, people will say, well, you're just taken up for the Podfather because you're on the network now. That's not true. Before the Dynasty Warzone was on this network, we had John Sheps on here from another network. And, you know, we were talking wide receivers. And I, my take has always been, I don't like big guys who play small. How are you in the Big 12 and how do you average, as like your final year, how do you average 4.3 catches per game? Six touchdowns. You had less yards in more games than Marvin Mims in the same conference. Zay Flowers was the offense in, in Boston College, and he had 18 more receptions and just about the same amount of yards, but double the touchdowns. How? Because he's more of a dog. If he's, he's got so the, dominant, why was he only getting seven targets a game? That's this my question. This doesn't make sense, man. Uh, Jerry, this doesn't make sense. And, and the targets he was getting, a lot of them were, were designed for him. They were the bubble screens. They were the slants. And you and you're like, hey, what, look at look at this dominant tape. I, I'm seeing a bunch of guys falling down, and a, and a, and a, and, a, and a bunch of bad angles from safeties over the middle, and just wide running open away from catches. dudes. And then some of these catches are, are like full blown, like trapping it against his body. You know, I... and and the thing is, when the lights come on. You have to do that. It's one thing when you're out in the open air in camp, right? Reps against air. You can practice the squeezing of the football. But the idea that he's suddenly become a hands catcher and it, 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 his hands have been told has been cleaned up this offseason. It's just so far fetched. It's so far fetched to have him near the well, certainly led the big 12 and drops near the, 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 the top of the all of college football in drops and then to have Alex Dunlap go watch him at the pro at his pro day and to drop three dimes in a row from Duggan deep was just, you don't see it. You don't see it. And that's their number one job. The number one job of the receiver is to catch the football. The other things they need to do well, but the first and foremost is to catch the football. And Jerry, uh, here's the thing these are all just questioning him as a prospect but but once he's on the offense and in that on the field he's still got to deal with mike williams he's still got to deal with keenan allen and both of those guys are under contract for the next two years like there's outs but keenan allen has a 12 million dollar dead cap in 2024 mike williams has an 11 million dollar dead cap in 2024 they're going to be there because the window for the chargers is better with all three of these wide receivers there. So they're going to want to keep them. I just don't foresee a way that he is going to push them to the extent just out of the way so that he can be fantasy and dynasty relevant. They're going to try to get manufacture touches for him. Of course. And and it's going to be the curls that you already talked about. And he's going to do that little spin move that he kept trying to do in every game. The problem is, is he's going to run into an NFL safety. Who's going to drill him in the gut. Yeah, though all those bad angles are going to go away, and all those easy reps and all those easy catch, you know, pitch and catches are gone in the NFL. I I don't know. I don't think he'll be as productive as Josh Palmer. I don't know. Guyton is currently on the pup, so he's been getting all these reps in camp. He's 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 certainly gonna gonna outplay Guyton, but Guyton's faster. So there's certain routes that. <laughs> You're better off having a guy that has four, three wheels running that route. And, you know, a question that I know that you, that you ask a lot, um, Memphis, is about, you know, lessons learned from, from by dynasty managers. And one of the big lessons learned is 
dynasty managers, probably the biggest lesson learned is that I've learned and that I always, always preach is to zoom out and to evaluate these guys as prospects, like you were saying, Jerry, and not allow all this team-related noise to affect the truth about a player. So you have, uh, on both ends of the spectrum, you have a player going to a, a team that appears to be uh, dead, right? A, a team that's, uh, you know, years away from being a productive offense. And you see a player you love go to that team, and you're like, oh, that's so devastating. Oh, this is terrible. Jalen Waddle going to Miami. They don't have a quarterback, right? Two is a bust, right? Now they're bringing in Tyreek Hill. This is awful. This is terrible. Too much target competition. The quarterback's bad. What are we going to do, right? Where it's, where it's, it's, you're apoplectic about the situation, right? Well, we're, or, we're gonna, or with we're, Johnson, he's going, he's got Herbert, right? He's Herbert's got, don't worry. I love him on the Chargers because he has Herbert and Herbert is going to be able to, to, to get him loose deep, right? Maybe another quarterback can't guys, but because he has Herbert, Herbert's kind of the one that's going to help him. That's not a thing, man. That's not a thing. Quarterbacks don't like, then you would be saying that about uh, Gabriel Davis, but there's too much current NFL evidence that Gabriel Davis can't play. So now we can't say that about Gabe, but that's what they said about Gabriel Davis last year, right? When you zoomed out and you just stopped listening to the noise, like, okay, we get that he's a bill and I don't care because on a, on a, on a play-by-play basis, there's going to be very few opportunities for Josh Allen to actually throw the ball to this guy. So what are we doing? I don't care what team he's on. The, 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 so you get trapped into drafting bad players on good teams and you get chased off of good players on bad teams. And so I think that, and, and then, so that's my number one takeaway is just draft the player first and the team situation second. And, and don't look too deeply at the contracts either, because sometimes a a guy gets cut out of nowhere. We are like, Whoa, that guy was a, I didn't realize he was a cut candidate or, I didn't think they had the money to afford that guy. Then they restructured two contracts. Now he's back. Oh, that's magic. Right? So uh, there's a lot of these these team machinations that I try to ignore. Like like with with the Zay Flowers, great example. There's too many mouths to feed. There's too many mouths to feed. They have too many receivers. Well, I've I've got a live. He's a run first quarterback. Right, well, I, you don't I, want to run first quarterback with all with too much t- target competition, then you're like an injury and a retirement away from Zay Flowers being the number one receiver on the team in week six. Big lo- deal. But but Matt, I've, I've got a live uh, look at people getting ready to press the button on Quentin Johnston in their rookie drafts. Big bucks, no whammy, stop. Stop it, oh. That's that's what happens if you take Quentin Johnston and in in your rookie drafts if you're still rookie drafting. And as always, Dana White, take us out of good people, bad tweets. You know how fucking stupid you have to be to even think something like that, let alone say it publicly and act like you're fucking serious. 
That is for all the uh, Quentin Johnston folks. What out did there. they say? What were they say? I didn't look at my. I didn't it, look at my it, it, it was, you know, you never the usual. It's you know, Matt, you never played football. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you, you're you're terrible at this. We had a couple of positives in there. Just, just your 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 standard. You don't, fare you, don't, of, you don't like reading the haters? Oh God, I, I love I, reading you know the haters. What? I forgot. I must have forgot to read the haters on that one. But well, I'll tell uh, you, th- my take on Quentin Johnson is a little more like a little more football-y and a little less statsy than a lot of my other takes. A lot uh, of what I, I a lot of what I think about Quentin Johnson has been informed by people that were on boots on the ground at his pro day at the combine. You're the tape father, right? And uh, so it's it's not a hundred percent, you know, a, a metrics based position. It's seeing a bunch of red flags in the metrics for sure, right? So, for example, it's a very rare thing that a player whose best like workout metric by far is burst score with you know a 12th percentile agility score, 41st percentile 40 time. It's a rare thing that that guy ever has a sustained breakout. And then if he also has a middling average dominator rating, his comps are all bad. Like that guy, because it was one of those things where I've seen enough, like I've seen some things in this sport, right? Especially in the last like 10 years when I've been doing this full time. And so I looked at the Quentin Johnson profile, like with a snapshot, like I blinked my eyes and I was like, you know what? I can't remember a guy with these, this configuration of measurables that's ever amounted to a goddamn thing in the league. And then I went into our data analysis tool on player profile and I selected burst score and speed score and agility score and dominator rating and breakout age. And I just sorted and I was like, oh, my God. Right. I was like, oh, this is this is horrific. Right. This is this was and it was funny, like Josh Doxson's right there. First round pick, same draft capital, same school, same measurables, same 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 rookie draft range, too. Same every yeah, he's drafted in the exact same spot. And here's the thing: there's can every year there's a receiver or two that gets drafted in the first round that's just dead that you'll never get anything for. Nikhil Harry, you'll never get anything for that guy. It's over. You might as well burn that. You might as well just burn that first round pick to the ground. You you won't see a nickel for it, right? You won't be able to. There's receivers that you're not even able to sell low on because the, the floor drops out from under them so quickly that you it's a rope that's it's that's slipping through your fingers. You can't even get out of him in time. Right. Well, you, who, it was hard. Like, you no, know, you couldn't get out of Corey Coleman in time. You can't get out of these guys in time. And Corey yeah, Coleman's one of Jerry's favorite receivers. That's true. <laughs> oh. Jerry had a Jerry. You want to tell Matt real quick before we move over to Jonathan Taylor? You want to tell Matt your uh, your hot take back in the day on Corey Coleman? We're gonna bring the fucking CEO onto this show, <laughs> and you're gonna make me talk about the worst dynasty trade I ever made. Fine. Yes, go ahead. Uh, tell, tell Matt. Yeah. Tell what is what? What year did he come out? 2017, 2016, 16 something or like that. 17, something like okay. that. Okay, yeah. it was 2016. So he went 103. I think it was a one QB league. I had 109. I took Michael Thomas. The guy right after, right after the draft, he's like, hey, uh, I totally forgot about Michael Thomas. You want to just do Corey Coleman straight up for him? And I was like, oh, had Corey Coleman slipped to 109, like I would have snapped it. And I was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, of course. I got yeah. you. Yeah. And then as oh, as wow. fucking history that has, has laid out, 
has that's, le- yeah. he's like a bozo, like an absolute bozo. I don't know. That's 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 the thing, man. The first round capital. They it, See, it the, but that that was, the, that was the that was that was the lesson I learned about well, Dynasty well, is well, that your best players, everybody that's got hype around them, they can all spit directly into your face. Yeah, and that's why with all this Quentin Johnston like hype, every day is another video on social media. I'm leaning into it because I'm like, God, I've seen this movie so many times. I can't even tell you how many times we just saw this movie with Terrace Marshall. And now I'm like, I'm remembering, like, we're going to look up and like a Jaden Reed will be a smash from the second round and have like, you know, triple, quadruple, quintuple the, the production of a Quentin Johnston. You know, over the next you know, four or five years, we'll all be looking up going like, yeah, I can't believe it. There's going to be a couple guys from the second round that that at least I know will blow away Quentin Johnston. Jaden Reed being the easiest one, uh, but I think Marvin Mims as well. I mean, Marvin Mims, like 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 Memphis was saying, Marvin Mims was better in the Big 12. Anyone that watched fo- college football knows that Marvin Mims was a better receiver than Quentin Johnston. And so the idea that now he's the target competition there, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, that's actually in the next year or two, it's going to be a lower bar for him to get over than Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Well, uh, p- people in the comments on YouTube are giving Jerry a grade. So we're going to give Jerry a grade for his trade of Mike Thomas for Corey Coleman before we get the Podfather's thoughts on uh, on uh, Jonathan Taylor and Jim Mersey. But real quick, what's Jerry's grade? Federal prison. <laughs> Federal fucking prison. If you're that fucking stupid and somebody else wants to do it, knock yourself out. Uh, no, money no, nor- normally, I love that soundbite, but when I it is know. directed at you, it really it hurts the soul. Uh, that, that's why I that's why I made that sound drop. But uh, the other big dynasty news, oh, right? By the now, way, Corey Coleman also of the hitches and bubble screens and nine rounds. It's uh it's a thing that keeps on happening. So as most of you know, I live in the uh, the Indianapolis area, and ironically, today um, my son's last baseball tournament of the season was at Grand Park. And I was literally a driver and a nine iron away from Colts camp. It's literally like on the same complex as our tournament today. And uh, you know who wasn't practicing? Jonathan Taylor. Nope. And it only continues to get uglier and uglier and uglier. Now we can talk about the Jonathan Taylor situation, but the the running back Zoom call and Josh Jacobs and Barkley picking up an extra 900 grand. Matt has all this running back that hoopla not getting paid being devalued has it changed the way that you draft and acquire running backs and dynasty because you were one of the forerunners of I, w- I would really call it hero rb i remember a couple of two three years ago listening to the mind of mansion you were talking about that anchor rb hero rb yeah and is that a strategy that we've really got to start thinking about more in dynasty and not just redraft and, and best ball leagues yeah, so the book is the Dynasty Dominator book, and we talk about Hero RB a lot in that. And and I do like I, I, I like to spend up for at least one running back in Dynasty. Uh because you can't just go to the waiver wire and stream running backs. Like zero RB is not really a thing. But 
the overall running back valuations uh, on player profile are, are starting to come down a little bit. And it, it's, it's look what you, look what's happening right now with a Brees Hall. Look at what's happening to Brees Hall. We don't know what's what, what he what he's worth, right? And when it's a receiver, who it's one thing to be team agnostic. Like I try to, like I said, I try to be team situation agnostic as much as I can with receivers because their quarterback can change. They can go out and draft Bryce Young, right? And the and the team can and trade the you know the Chiefs have traded Tyreek Hill. You know, and 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 the the Panthers have acquired Bryce Young. Next thing you know, it's a, it's a great situation for Terrace Marshall, right? Uh, so, and, and uh, next thing you know, it, for Sky Moore, the depth chart's wide open, right? So, receivers, you can give them that that a little bit more benefit of the doubt with their situation. Running backs, though, man, they are situation dependent and their contracts are fleeting. They don't typically get drafted in the first round anymore. So they, they're they're le- a lot less likely. I mean, Barkley and Jacobs must be nice guys, must be nice to be drafted in the first round. Taylor doesn't even have that. He doesn't even have like the fifth year option to fall back on. Right. He doesn't have he doesn't have the, the money that the, the, the first round. set levels that first round picks must be paid that he can you know rely on that Gibbs can rely on now and and Bijan can rely on Taylor doesn't have that Taylor's taking a beating and now his contract's coming up in a year and he's like yeah we got to get extended here like I'm not I'm not gonna have a lame duck season what are you guys doing to me right I'm a former all-american I had 2,000 yards year in year out at Wisconsin I'm one of the best runners in this league come on what are we doing? And the fact that now his agent is warring with the owner, the, the the key equity holder for the Colts, it's not good, man. It's not good for the overall long-term value of the running back position in the league. The more these running backs turn over, the less stable their team situations are. The, the the lower their dynasty value is going to be. It's not going right. to be crazy low. We we're already valuing the guys that were, you know, in, in their first four years on their rookie deal much higher than other running backs. But man, so how we have a couple of years before Bijan's going to be in a situation already? I can tell that Brees Hall is not happy. Is Brees Hall's agent going to come out and start to, uh, you know? say something about the fact that they're they're you know they're betraying him by even talking to dalvin cook like what i i just and it's, it's going to get worse for it gets better because there's a huge this, crop of this free is agents like, coming i think up. the first this is the this is really the first the first opening salvo of what i think is going to be a war against running backs by nfl front offices this has been this has been brewing for years and years, but there were just enough teams that valued running backs like it was the 1990s that they had landing spots once they reached free agency. Now that security is gone, and the vast vast majority of teams now even the Cowboys are not, don't care about running back. 
Jerry Jones doesn't care about running back now. Jim Ursay doesn't care about running back now. The oldest equity holders in the league don't care about running back. This is a huge problem. The, the, I mean, the, the Dolphins are openly uh, spending nothing on the running back I, position. Ignoring it. Pr- proud of it, right? And just flirting with Dalvin Cook, but not to, but, you know, just. He's, We've seen this in the he, NBA. I, they're, they're really they're 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 happy to bid up the Dalvin Cooks and be on the other side of of the the agents' sort of uh, you know uh, bid to to you know convince the team they're not negotiating with themselves. No, 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 no. The Dolphins are in this too. Don't worry, the Dolphins want him. The Dolphins like, yeah, yeah, we want him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should pay more for him. Yeah, you should. You shouldn't let us get him. Yeah, yeah, don't let us get don't let us get Dalvin Cook. We really, we really, really well want it. He's a great fit for our system. Really, we really care about him. We really want him over here. And they're well, like, and let him pay for it. We don't give a shit about running back. So no. it's it's gonna it's all gonna it's gonna be a problem if this position is suddenly super expendable around the league, and these guys are bouncing all around. It's not good for for dynasty valuation. It's gonna be much harder to value these guys for more than a year or two. And and that's going to bring down their lifetime values because their lifetime value ratings on player profiler are three years out, right? They're they're factoring in discounted valuations out to three years, and we may have to say with running backs, we're not doing it. You know, we'll give them a year and a half. We'll give them two years at most, and then they'll have to you know just a position wide discount. I mean, it would, wouldn't happen all at once, but. It's already starting to happen. You're already seeing the the, the dropping of the Brees Halls uh, in, in advance, and Travis Etienne's next, and then it's going to be the next guy, and it's the next, and it's like enough already, enough already. I'll just draft Rashad White, and you know, as my young running back and a veteran, uh, as as my you know stable number two, and I'm and ship it. You know, and then I'll play the rookie running back game and I'll try to I'll load up on the Roshans and the Kendra Millers and I'll just turn them over after two years. And we'll just that's what I've been doing anyway. Most of us have been doing this anyway, but even more incentive. And then it, then the question is going to become, at what point do you drop anchor RB as a startup strategy? Well, for me, the because a player profiler, clearly Matt's been doing this. I bring it up. I see Jerry nodding his head is it's you're getting ready to get a, a great opportunity to diversify your rosters. If like I can think of one roster on one of my more prominent teams that I'm pretty running back heavy. But when do people really want to acquire running backs in season when running backs are scoring points? It's the same thing as old guys. People love them a good old guy in season. You know, like Devontae Adams is a 31-year-old wide receiver in, in June. He's a 20-point-a-game wide receiver in the regular season. So that's going to be your window. So if you're looking to diversify and try to get some young wide receivers, like maybe a young guy gets injured and you can trade a a Brees Hall, a guy like that for the wide receiver equivalent because he's injured, I'm going to look to to clean up some rosters this offseason and do it. Jerry, what do you think about the the balancing and going down to like one stud and then, to Matt's point, drafting the, 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 the Roshan Johnsons, the Kendra Millers? I have long been a proponent of the unsexy running back. And it's why I'm going to have so much Miles Sanders because Mm. he has a three-year contract and he doesn't have tons of competition. Is Chuba Hubbard really? 
Would they really bring in Miles Sanders, give him the contract when nobody else in the league is giving his draft class of running back a long contract like that? And if they did, David Montgomery, they drafted another one. Carolina didn't do that. Miles Sanders is sitting in a situation where he is fine. So we're at the point where, like Matt said, we're looking at year windows, year and a half windows. So if I can get somebody like Miles Sanders who has three years, that's a fucking eternity in this game at this point. We don't so, know if he'll have two. We know he's got two years. Well, well, yeah, 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 yeah. But we still, know he's got two years. Guess who but still, has two but, but, years. But, but we who also has know two years. that Joe Mixon has two years. Yeah, mm, that's my and, guy. And cheaper, right? Che- well, cheaper than Mixon has two years. The, the thing, I can guarantee the thing about, you, Nick Chubb's not going anywhere next year. Yeah, right. This team is gonna steamroll some people this year. The Browns are gonna be great. They're gonna be running. They're running it through Chubb. They let Kareem Hunt go. The, uh, the idea that Jerome Ford is a workhorse in this league, you know, and that Chubb misses some games and then Ford convinces them that he he can be the guy next year. I mean, I think we're, we could we could get it. We could get a nice game out of him or two. Yeah. I think it'd be great. You know, I'm, ha- I'm here for it. Convincing them to move on from Nick Chubb. That seems far fetched. Right. <laughs> so th- that's the type of guy. If, if my running backs are white and Chubb, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. You know, Pollard feeling good. But spending up for Gibbs, spending up for Hall, spending up. Oh, God. No, no, no. There, just, there, there, there so is no for tra- trading for running it's backs so like that It's so gross, anymore. man. And, and I can't push the button on them in startups either. It's almost, not, I'd not almost rather going. have Barkley. Because at least with Barkley, he's that good. And we know no matter where he goes, he's going to be the guy. And he actually a, a pretty lightly used race car at age 26 because c- he's had some injuries missed some time and we know he takes incredible care of his body i'll take some barclays 26 right it's 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 scarier in in many ways to, to think about uh, you know rostering a, a kenneth walker or a Brees hall Najee harris terrifying Terrible. Well, you go to player profiler and you start looking at the startup rankings of where you have to dra- draft those guys and, and the young wide receivers in those mix. It, it, it It's really, really a mess. I, I'm, I'm going to bounce to another wide receiver here in just a minute, but as we sit, we are literally four weeks on away. On no news, put it this way, on no news, Travis Etienne has dropped 23.75 lifetime value points. Right. I mean, it's just on no news because it's like we, we you can't draft him ahead of premium wide receivers. You can't draft See, him. Ahead here's of, here's the thing. A, a smart player you know? can't do that. I'm not sure that as a whole, the running back value is going to come down because fantasy. There's still people that play redraft who will, none of this is relevant to them at all in re- regards to running back. And some of that mentality is still going to carry over to dynasty. And I think it's going to be an exploitable strategy. Well, I like that you mentioned the word redraft because we have a tremendous resource. We're four weeks away from the biggest redraft weekend of the year. And if you need a resource, let me give you just a moment from our friends at the world famous, in quotations, draft kit. Hey, it's the Podfather of great news. The 2023 draft kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. 
We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team, and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team-level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. I mean, individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you could take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet. And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league, do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but uh, <laughs> it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. Yeah, I, I do love the draft kit. Very proud to be a part of it. Did the commissioner section, and I did two player write-ups. I did Najee Harris and Evan Ingram for this year. And mm-hmm. I like how Matt put it about it's not the cheapest guys. I always quote Jerry Jones because when Jerry Jones had overruns at Dallas Cowboys Stadium, he's like, they were like, Jerry, why did you spend so much money? And Jerry said, well, nice things aren't cheap, and cheap things aren't nice. So you get what you pay for. It's the best draft kit in the world. So I I can't recommend it enough. I'm proud to be a part of it. And uh, Matt, you have anything to say about the draft kit before uh, I I throw you some more dynasty questions here? Uh, Yeah, I think that every year we just try to, we we listen to to the public and the users and what they want. And last year we got, hey, can you guys evaluate our teams? Uh, you know, we, so what we, we were adding a new feature, this is coming soon. I don't want to, it's not even a sure thing where it's going to happen, but we, 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 it's been in R and D for quite a while and we are, we have developed an algorithm that looks at your team build when you drafted certain players and, you know, whether it's one quarterback or whatever it is, super flex and Billy, Theo, Dario. So we had we had the best rankers, the best players, getting with analytics professionals to write an algorithm that actually incorporates the the team building methodologies of the best high stakes players and grades your team. So it's going to be called Rate My Team, and you just you kind of plug in your your roster, and it'll give you a grade. It'll give you a breakdown. Uh, give it an upside rating. We'll actually also let you know your injury risk for that team. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll actually plug in the, the ratings on every player on the roster. Uh, it's about to be released. I think it's, think it's going to happen. We're still working out a few, a few uh, you know, technical challenges to make it happen. But that's, uh, that's on the horizon with the, with the draft kit. Uh, so our goal is with every package that we have, whether it's the Dynasty Deluxe package, the world-famous draft kit, we added the commissioner section this year. Like I said, we added the, the individual cheat sheet so people can actually have the cheat sheet that Billy uses, that Theo brings to drafts. 
those are available now to be downloaded and we changed the whole format to be super easy to read on the fly in the moment. Uh, but then we decided, you know what, let's take it one step further and let's, let's do this thing. That's a little more ambitious, but let's see if we can get it figured out and get it done for early August for, for fantasy draft season. And I think it's going to happen. Well, you guys, and, and this is why Jerry, Jerry and I, you know, have been approaching the past about bringing the war zone to other networks, but you know, um, if you want to be the best, you got to run with the best. And we're super proud of what Player Profiler is doing and to be on this network. Jerry's throwing up heart hands. See, this is why you watch the YouTube. You got to watch the YouTube so you can see Jerry do heart hands. And all of us are wearing backwards hats. It's backwards hat night yes, here at the Dynasty War Zone. But uh, uh, one of my favorite guilty pleasures this time of the year, I, I have two Instagram accounts, my normal personal Instagram account. And then one account where I only follow all 32 NFL teams and the little story feature across the top. It is nonstop hype. It is nonstop fluff. And I absolutely love it. It's football porn because there's no conjecture. It's just, it's just camp highlights. I mean, Quentin Johnson fans would fucking love this thing, but I, I want to know Matt's take on, on Calvin Ridley. Mm. Now, I know he's 29. I know he's mm. 29, but he is vibing. He is vibing right now with Trevor Lawrence he, they, they are showing how much faster he's running a slant route than Zay Jones. He's wearing number zero. Matt, what are your thoughts on agent zero as it relates to the wide receiver position and what you've seen out of camp today in Jacksonville? Hashtag Duval. July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. July. I hate that I am this guy. Like This has been my theme of this entire offseason is that I've become like a, an old crusty fantasy gamer and an analyst. And I'm just, I'm not here for the hype that I was here for, for the Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson hype. I'm just not here for it. And last time I checked Calvin Ridley wasn't even efficient in his last year with the Falcons, like 1.47 yards per route run was like number 73 in the league. He had one good season, which was the season where Matt Ryan led the league in pass attempts and Julio Jones was hobbled the entire season. And it was they had no they had no number three receiver that I remember. Who was a number three receiver at that time? It wasn't Alameda Zacchaeus. And I don't think they don't think it was, but no, I know it was Julio. It was pre-Alameda Zacchaeus, whoever that number three was. Was it was it uh oh my gosh? Was it, oh, he I plays for name Russell Gage? Ru that's exactly was the name it I was looking Russell for. Gage or, yeah. Whatever. The bottom line is real. Russell Gage was out there. Uh, there was pre-Kyle Pitts, so they didn't have a tight end. I don't know what their tight end was. It, it, it was bad. It was a bad situation. He was force-fed targets, and he was fine, right? He was the number four receiver in fantasy. He didn't go nuclear because he's not that great, right? He's not elite. Otherwise, with that volume, he would he would have gone over 20 fantasy points, but he didn't, okay? He's not even that guy anyway. He's not an alpha, right? He's 6'1", 190. He, and, and he's not overly fast, right? He doesn't have like a, 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 a crazy sort of work ethic historically, like a Devontae Smith, someone like that. So I've always questioned like, what is so special about this guy? What is the fascination, right? They, they He went to Alabama and that's great. You know, he had the helmet uh, and he, he was a, you know, a, a real precise route runner coming out. And that's all fine. That's all fine. But 
in the league, he's had one season with 900 plus yards, and that was it. Right. And all these other seasons were disappointing for one reason or another, most recently because he wasn't playing. He hasn't played since October 2021. Okay. So I know he looks good right now. Again, he looks, he and Quentin Johnson look terrific in shorts against air. I need to see it. He's being drafted in the third round in seasonal leagues. He's been, he's been, you know, propped up in startups, but he's the same age as Amari Cooper. Now people are drafting him over Amari Cooper. And I'm like, well, okay. I know Amari Cooper's hurt and that's, you know, that, but Amari Cooper has how many thousand yard seasons compared to Ridley's one. Like he went to Alabama too, right? Cooper was drafted before Ridley. You want draft capital Cooper. You want Alabama Cooper. You want age the same, right? Situation. Actually, Cooper's in a better situation for scoring fantasy points. There's less target competition actually there. Zay Jones is making more money than Calvin Ridley guaranteed. $3 million more guaranteed than Calvin Ridley. He signed a prove-it deal. Just like DJ Chark and just like Paris Campbell. You know what I mean? It's not... What? Again... He's getting, I've never seen a player get so much credit. Yes, well, I, I I take it back. I have. I have seen a player get just an inordinate amount of credit for one year, one big boom year, and it was seared into the brain chemistry of every fantasy gamer, and that was Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, yeah. That Josh Gordon season was so magical, right? And we talked about this. We talked about this with Quentin Johnston. It is possible for a player to post incredible advanced metrics based primarily on luck. That was an incredible lucky season. That was a lucky se- that was a season where defenders were colliding in front of him, balls were being tipped up in the air and he was just catching them and running for a touchdown. You guys remember that season? Brian was, Hoyer, baby. It was a wild. He had 1500 yards. He's not even fast. He runs a four, five, five, but everybody thought because the metrics were so, he was so efficient. He must be faster than he looks just like Quentin Johnson. He's got football speed. Forget the 40 times Josh Gordon. He's, he's flash. Then as it turns out, even when he played, he wasn't that efficient after that random lucky season. So he was lucky and he captured the imagination of so many people and forever or for years, you had people burning down draft capital on him in fantasy drafts. And so this is a a absolute cautionary tale for those that are trying to trying to make sure they do everything they can to get their hands on Calvin Ridley. There's just so many receivers that are also in great situations that have done so much more in their careers at a similar age and a similar ADP that it, it, it boggles my mind. I've got a more analogous uh, example for you than Josh Gordon. And for me, it's Braylon Edwards. If you, if you remember the Braylon Edwards 2007 season where he had 1300 receiving yards and 16 touchdowns, and he never sniffed a thousand yard season uh, again. And again, big, big power five school went to Michigan 
you know, had a, had a great breakout season, ironically, in Cleveland. Jerry, I see your face because Jerry, Matt, by the way, is from uh, the, the great state of Michigan. He is from the murder mitten. He actually graduated college with Jaden Reed. So, oh. so, so, so we're going to talk about Jaden Reed to wrap the show up. But, yeah, that, that's the you're one that, that I you're see. You're young, man. Uh, he, no, no, no. He's I was young just... and old at the same time. He, but yeah, he, uh, he, same college of business or whatever, whatever. You, Jerry and Jaden Reed walked the stage together. That's so cool. It was cool. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. So, but, but, so the bottom line is Christian Kirk's coming off two consecutive hundred target plus seasons. He's been healthy, like two straight same draft classes. Ridley, seventeen games played. He just keeps getting better and better, but yet he doesn't, for some, I don't, I mean. He's not sexy, Matt. That's why. Because Kelvin Ridley had that rookie draft capital, which gets everybody's nipples hard, and it, it, it reels him in. And Christian Kirk was a second-round rookie pick. Just, and so the, so the production just gets thrown away. And this is why I love this, man. Kirk's this is why I love the, the catch, too. I mean, it's just... This is why I love Matt. Matt is the best in the business, and, and he gives oh. you. It's, it's like we, we we've been talking. It feels like for five minutes, guys. It's it's getting close to the hour, but I do want to wrap it up with with this because I know this man is a fan. He he graduated with Jerry Matt Jaden Reed getting designed touches mm. in Green Bay, and I, I tell you, our, mm. our, our our good friend, uh, I think Jack runs the the player profile or Twitter handle. He was posting design touches for Jaden Reed the other day. And I think Christian Watson may have headaches on his hand. This guy looks special. I don't know how high volume this offense is going to be in Green Bay, but I love what I've seen with Jaden Reed. Um, I'll have to show you my Scott Fishbowl roster because they say – I tell my son, you're the uh, you're the, the the combined of like the five people you're the most around. And as I've been around the player profiler team more and more, I noticed that my Scott Fishbowl. But mm-hmm. I love Jaden Reed. You guys really got me into Jaden Reed. Matt, talk to me about Jaden Reed and what you've seen in camp so far. He was by far and away the best receiver at the Senior Bowl. Michael Wilson was freaking awesome there. Okay. And I do admit, Jonathan Mingo had a few plays, right? Jonathan Mingo had some plays. He, he was fine, right? Jonathan, but if you went to the Senior Bowl and then you learned later, like this happened to me. I'm like, wait a second. Mingo went ahead of Reed in the draft. <laughs> it's like a joke. It doesn't even make sense. Like, well, how is this possible? Right. And it's like, no, we're not. You, you, we're, we're, you, 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 you look at our rankings, right? Rashi Rice should be, right? You would think Mingo and Rice. They would be ranked ahead of Jaden Reed, right? Because of what we talked about earlier, that it's Kansas City, right? So you gotta it, it's you gotta chase the upside of that Patrick Mahomes situation, right? Or the draft capital. This guy was a very early second. He was a top fifty pick, Jonathan Mingo. He's he's gonna have the offense to himself in Carolina, right? With with Bryce Young, this is a great situation for him. These are situation-based analysis is the biggest mistake that Dynasty gamers make in addition to allowing camp hype, allowing news from July to affect how you value guys in Dynasty? 
You're allowing July news to drive a decision you're going to make for the guy's career based on something that happened in July? Do you realize how stupid that sounds? Right? You see this all the time. Like, oh, we got to we got to adjust. You know, we got to we got to adjust this guy up. He's getting, oh my god, he's catching so many passes in camp. We've got to make sure we get out ahead of it. It's like, no, 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 no. If it comes with real news, then I'm happy to move a guy up. Sky Moore to the moon, right? Sky Moore is playing well in camp, but that's not what matters. What matters is that Canarius Tony's out. Canarius Tony's going in for a knee surgery. That's 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 actionable. Not way more actionable than rapport that beat reporters. Are, but if there's both, now. I'm more interested in player X, but it starts with the actionable thing where, okay, he's now a starter. Like there's been a real injury. We're not going to see Kadarius Tony maybe ever again in the league. <laughs> it's over. Kadarius Tony's over, right? It's over. Like, like dead. Like, over. Before it started. Right. It's, I mean, why, why, was anyone drafting him or taking him in trades in Dynasty? The situation when if you zoomed out and you asked your the, the first principles, right? That's all. It sounds easy, right? You talk about this all the time, Memphis. It sounds easy just to do the right thing. First principles sounds easy. Is this player good or is this player bad? That's our starting point. But you get you start to listen to so many things and you're on Instagram watching these team videos and these team posts, 32 teams in July. Suddenly your brain gets rewired and you're, and you're trading for bad players and you're letting good players go. Jaden Reed is not in a good situation. He's currently behind Christian Watson on a Jordan love ground and pound attack. That's terrible. Why would you want that guy when you could get a guy that was drafted at almost the exact same slot by the Chiefs, right? And he was more prolific at SMU. Why would you do that? Or this guy that was a true alpha, though he, again, played small, right? <laughs> Jonathan Mingo did not play big, right? Jonathan Mingo, why are you in the slot? <laughs> it seems like a real... Maybe once you get to Mike Williams' age, we can put you in the slot. But you're young, so now is not the time for you to move to the slot, Jonathan Mingo. What are you doing, right? So bottom line is, of these second round receivers, I'm fine putting the guys that were that were actually drafted after above the guys that are likely to be busts that didn't actually perform well enough in college to get anyone's attention. And then when they had went to the ultimate test at the Senior Bowl, and it was against the best group of corners that's ever been at the senior bowl. Jaden Reed was hands down the best. And we're talking about bad quarterback play too. We're talking about where Duggan was like a big, that was a, you know, and there, there was a guy from shepherd who was, thank God he was there. Who's the kid from shepherd. Who's on the bears now. Oh, I thought you meant a guy was there with a German Shepherd. I didn't even know Shepherd was a college. No, there was a guy from Shepherd who apparently was recruited to go to West Virginia, but at the last minute he decided not to go to West Virginia. 
and his name's Tyson Badgent. Tyson Badgent is going to win the number two job for the Bears soon. It might not be in week one, but he's going to be on the practice squad. If he's not on the active roster, he was the best quarterback at the senior bowl. I, I thought you were going to say Tyson Badgett was getting ready to open up an insurance agency in uh, like Gurney, Illinois. He is an interesting guy. He's also a little athletic. Oh, really? Up 4840. Yeah, he is an athlete. Well, that's uh, the kind is, of the kind of back, backup you'd want for a Justin Fields, right? It's the perfect. His best comparable is Taylor Heineke. I mean, it's just perfect. It's so perfect. He is a very interesting player. Deep super flex leagues, two quarterback leagues. I actually have him. Uh, I like him. Uh, well, as, I'm going to write the name down because I'm going to go pick him up before the show post because only the people who watch live on Player Profiler deserve. What was his name again? Tyson Badgent. Tyson. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in. I'll put it in the comments too. There, there you go. Well, listen, we're we're we're, we're coming up on time. Yeah, but, Tyson, but, but the bottom line is, bottom line, Jaden Reed's awesome, right? And and Jaden Reed has reasons why he wasn't the biggest breakout star early in his career. I mean, he had 800 yards at Western Michigan with 300 plus special teams yards, eight touchdowns. A twenty percent target share at Western as at, at age eighteen with Scott Moore there also sits out a year, and then the year after he sits out, it's the COVID year. So he's like, "Well, motherfucker, this sucks." He talk about one guy having great luck in college and Quentin Johnston in that last year. This guy had awful luck as a as a and then as a junior puts up a twenty six percent target share. He could have came out, but he's like, you know what? I'm going back. He even had 600 plus special teams yards as a as a, as a junior and 10 touchdowns. He's a hands catcher. He runs incredibly sharp, accurate routes. He's always where you want him to be. He can get yards after the catch. He was also like wearing really cool armbands at the Senior True. Bowl and was Obviously. walking and was walking around like he was the the like Roshan was the, the clear alpha and he was walking as if he was the man. He was big man on campus. So was I mean so was Jaden Reed. And it was just it was when when and we were all watching the lineup of receivers and whenever Reed would go everyone perked up and everyone leaned forward. Um and so it, it it's it doesn't matter that it's Jordan Love. It doesn't matter it's run first. It doesn't matter that Christian Watson's there. You draft the player. And there is absolutely a non-zero chance. He just simply outproduces Christian Watson. Christian Watson had some fortunate plays last year. He certainly outperformed uh the 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 mean touchdown rate, right? So he had a he, I like Christian Watson, but he, he had a, he had a lucky season. He, had, he was very fortunate last year. So now it's I'm not saying it. It, it doesn't seem like it's possible for Jaden Reed to have some kind of nuclear rookie year, given the situation. I don't see that as a possibility, but I see him potentially even coming out and having a big week one. You know where he gets like six targets. You know it catches most of his passes and look has an explosive play or two, and then everyone's like, "Oh, oh, this guy's happening." 
right? You, you could totally see that. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think hot take would be Reed outperforms Christian Watson this year and Marvin Mims outperforms Quinton Johnston this year. I think it'd be I'll I'll I'll, I'll stick a flag in those two takes. I, I love it. So, all right, we're uh, one, one last question and we'll get you out of here. What, what, and you can make this your elevator speech. You know, if you've ever heard the, the business, I know you have, but I'm talking to the listeners, sure. not to Matt. Of course, Matt knows. Uh, give us your elevator speech. You're, you're, you're going 30 floors up on the biggest mistake that dynasty gamers make, especially during training camp. Well, just, just in general, like 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 a general thing that like that dynasty gamers fumble the bag on this time of the year. Okay. Like every year they they fall for this or they do that and they trade away. Whatever it is, just just a a pretty common mistake you would caution them against making uh, as they are starting to get close to the start of the season. Do not care about projected opportunity heading into this year, especially for rookies. And don't forget about the players that you liked last year. So I've given a lot of, uh, of uh, advice about, you know, ignoring a lot of the, the, the July noise and zooming out on players. But I think, so the final piece of advice, it's not, it's not what you're asking for. It's not an elevator, but it's just yet another nugget of lessons learned from me personally is to remember the players I liked last year. I liked Kevin Harris, Kevin Harris over between last year and this year has not become a different player. He just didn't get opportunity last year. He's still working his ass off and he's probably impressing a bunch of people, but he's not yet a, a big enough name so what happens is even when he plays awesome and has an awesome camp, the beat reporters don't care about him because he's not a name. So he won't get brought up. You got to understand, he could be playing amazing in training camp and no one would know. It's a tree falling in the woods. A lot of these players that we liked last year, and I'm thinking about a lot of these running backs. I'm thinking about Jerome Ford. I'm thinking about even Tyler Beatty the current number three running back on the, the Broncos depth chart. You know, I, I liked his game at Missouri. I thought it was an exciting satellite back personally. Uh, Julius Chestnut. Now the, the backup really the, the, between the tackles backup runner without Haskins now suspended. Uh, Julius Chestnut is interesting. A lot of these guys that didn't get opportunity except for, you know, one game in week 16, Right. And then and actually, oh, they perform well, had a bunch of missed tackles. Oh, had a played well in that game. Yeah. You think it, it could happen? It could it, it just. You see so many current rookies rostered that are not going to do a damn thing and they're going to get churned. And right now, at this point in camp, especially, you're getting maximum rookie hype. I'm seeing a bunch of players. Calvin Austin is another one a bunch of running backs and receivers that could easily pop this year that have been dropped in the last few months. And they didn't do any on no news. They didn't do anything wrong except not produce as rookies. And, the, and especially if they were a day three pick, that's normal. 
that it would be so rare for Calvin Austin to break out as a day three pick. It'd be so rare for Kevin Harris to, or Pierre Strong to break out. Why, if you liked him at South Dakota State, why are you suddenly off on Pierre Strong? There's one Ramondre Stevenson injury away from both those guys, Harris and Strong, being super relevant in fantasy football. And yet Harris is on every waiver wire. And he was actually awesome at South Carolina. So it's just a weird thing. Like every rookie is rostered. And so many of these sophomores that I like are suddenly on waiver wires. And I'm happy to pick them up. And I'm starting to actually drop rookies. I've started to drop rookies now, shedding rookies, because I'm soaking up all these sophomores that people have been too quick on the trigger to drop. I, I love it because I've been going out scooping up John Mechie. I've got a ton of Mechie. Good to see go. him back on the on the field. Wandale Robinson. I think Wandale Robinson's gotten lost in the the Darren Waller coming off the another guy. Um, I know you're not a Jahan Dotson guy. Not that he's like a cheap free type of guy. I think Tyquan Thornton. Tyquan Thornton's you, a great one. Tyquan, I mean, Tyquan he's second round. He's a great one. He runs a four two. They didn't an, add any receiving talent. And they have a real offensive coordinator now. It's no longer Joe Judge. It's no he's, longer. It's no longer Matt Patricia. It's it's he is Bell O'Brien, dude. He's he, gonna he's have gonna weeks have in a dynasty. All you need is one big week, and all of a sudden that guy has trade value. Alec Pierce, another guy that we forgot about until you saw the touchdown the other day from Anthony Richardson. I know you're not you're not the biggest uh, Alec, you know, uh, you know Pierce listen, guy. Man, I can't be a fan of everybody. I understand. Okay. I can't be a fan of everybody. But I can tell you, you this: have your bunch, limits. There is a like I said. There's a bunch of of sophomore running backs, especially, and a handful of these sophomore receivers that I'm like, you guys, be careful dropping these guys. They're they're, I'm in on the tight ends. Like one of my favorite guys is Kate Otten. Like if I had told you Kate Otten and Tampa Bay had 65 targets last year, would you believe me? Probably not. And then, and then uh, who was the guy who retired? He'd been there. Oh, uh, Cameron Brait. He'd been there for ages. He he leaves behind 38 targets. So we live in a world where a second year tight end on a bad offense that our bad team in general that could be playing from behind. You know, Dink and Dunk Baker working that short to intermediate game. You know, Kate Otten, we could look back in a year and that guy would have like 85 targets. And you're going to be like, holy shit, Kate Otten had 85 targets last year. Who would have ever thought that? I did Just, forget. I have to admit, I did forget about Kate Otten. He, he's very forgettable. I like Jake Turd Ferguson, too, with the Cowboys. There's uh, Tommy Tremble. He's buying Hayden Hurst in Carolina. That's not a That's not a high bar. There's just a bunch of these guys, man, that are interesting. That had a had a had a moment where fantasy analysts and dynasty analysts were were were, were talking about them, and then they've just shuffled off. And especially the guys, yeah, Thornton and Austin, the guys with the four two wheels, they were they're gonna have weeks, man. Well, I I love it, and and listen, guys, we barely got through half the show sheet. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to ask the Podfather to come back, because he is the best in the game. He gives you the best answers. He does not give you cookie cutter. Oh, hey, I could get this anywhere. You're entertaining. You're great, Matt. Uh, what's coming up on uh, Mind to Mansion Sonic Truth this week? You're going to be back giving uh, Alan the business because Jax Jax tried to give Alan the business to the level that you do because someone has to beat up on Alan a little bit. But what's coming up on uh, Sonic Truth and Mind to Mansion this week? Sonic Truth's going to be uh, yeah back in the saddle. 
I don't know what I we'll see what happens with Allen. I don't I don't I don't plan these out. It's not premeditated, but at some point he's probably going to say something that doesn't make any sense and uh, or just uh, drag the show into the mud for no reason. So I'll let him know. Good lunch lady that. takes. A good lunch lady take is always uh, expected. Sometimes I set him up. You know, sometimes I set him up with uh, some teacher doing something inappropriate uh, and he just can't help himself. And then on the Mind of Mansion show, R.C. Fisher. R.C. Fisher, he is one of those, uh, you know, uh, relatively, uh, you know, less uh, airtime analysts, right? When you look across the industry, you have guys that are showing up on a lot of podcasts uh, and they're, they're, they seem to be ever present. R.C. Fisher is a grinder, man. He has he has he has his website. He has a loyal subscriber base, uh, and he doesn't do a lot of podcasts. But he does my podcast every year, and sometimes we go over three hours uh, with this guy. He he's had some incredible takes over the years, and uh, and it's just one of those shows that my audience really tunes in for. And he's one of those guys that I always get a few people emailing me. When's RC coming on? Because uh, they, they, they like I, you're the only show where I really hear him uh, as a guest. And so that's uh, yeah. And so I, I always pencil him in for a for an August show. It's like RC Fisher and like John Paulson. It's like you know, I have my like August lineup. Uh, and I think this year we're also going to have uh, Josh Larkey. Josh Larkey's coming back. Uh, I've heard of him in, in, in a few weeks. I'm excited about that. And we have some uh, some new guests for in the month of September. Uh, and so one of the nice things is I'm starting to learn about guests by hearing them on with Theo. Theo has the new press coverage show where he does, does a lot of interviews. And sometimes I'll hear a, a, someone on uh, on Theo's show. And I'll be like, oh, damn, you beat me to it. I'm going to get this guy on my show, Theo. So that's what's up. That is what's up. Jerry, what do you got, man? Let's see. By the time we do this next show next week, we will have watched the Hall of Fame game. And I don't give a tinker's fuck if it matters one bit for fantasy. At least I will get to watch football for a few hours. It's like, like I, I like I don't I don't I don't care that it's meaningless. I know, I know. Like it, people cry and whine about Thursday night, you know, Jets, Falcons, whatever game. I don't care. Like it's been months, and I'm a Lions fan, so I don't get to watch them in the playoffs. So it's been even longer since I've cared about a game. Now, granted, Watcher's going to play in this? No, I mean, God, no. I can't imagine he would, but it, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm going to get to watch it and I'm going to be so excited and I'm at least going to be able to talk about a football game seven days from now. And the, the, the excitement cannot be explained fully about how happy that makes me. I mean, football's back and, and, and that's what we've all needed for a long time. So I, I am super excited, Matt, I'm going to reach back out as soon as the show's over and get you booked again. Uh, we got to finish this. You know, we don't normally go these marathon shows on Sunday nights. You know, we You're so slick. We, we 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 keep it we keep it a tight you know hour. But you know, the Podfather comes in. We'll get you back, man. We're gonna make this a two parter. I mean, how can you double the downloads? You, you, you know, 
you remember back in the day when like TV was episodic viewing and like Netflix didn't give you like all 13 shows at one time and you literally had to tune in every single week and then you get that one cliffhanger and at the very end you'd get to be continued dot dot dot. This conversation with the Podfather's not over. I, I, still, just, I want to tell a funny story about that. Sure, absolutely. There's a there was a show uh, that was written and acted by Britt Martling. Uh, it's an up and coming, uh, you know, <clears throat> a- actor, writer in Hollywood. Not now. She's on strike. But uh, she had a, a show called The OA. And it was around the same time that Stranger Things was coming out. So a very similar vibe theme as Stranger Things, a little bit of like a supernatural, you know, kids in the neighborhood show. And it went two seasons and it was spoke they they she had signed her deal with Netflix, I think it was a as a four season uh so she had planned the show, she had storyboarded the show out for four seasons, and it was successful. They had a had a cult following, and Netflix canceled it after the second season and it ended on a cliffhanger. So there the this the the goddamn show, and I love the show ends on a cliffhanger and it'll never come back it's just a cliffhanger forever and the fans of the show were so mad at netflix a woman did a uh hunger strike outside the netflix studio and Britt martling came out and was trying to like convince her to eat food holy shit that's <laughs> wild <laughs> I feel yeah, like you've got he? fans like that, Matt. You probably had never heard of that show. No. I didn't know that anyone had ever done a hunger strike to get a show going on Netflix. Well, well, and, and uh, now, and but they, I think they made it. They made her whole. They, they allow, they uh, signed her to a new show, so she's going to come up with a new, a new series soon. Are you ever going to get like closure on this show? Like that would drive me crazy. That's the thing. I'm like, can another studio or streaming service? buy out the show and restart it because it was I, good i mean because my daughter loves stranger things and i'm always like yeah stranger things is pretty good but the oa was really good yeah there, there, there's like, a bunch of good that? shows like, no one's ever heard of the show and i'm like it was awesome no it, it i remember seeing it on the top of netflix but now that i know it goes on a cliffhanger i, I can't watch it you can't watch it don't watch no. it now they they they, they netflix r- has really made some mistakes and angered their their subscribers many they cory coleman did yeah they, they 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 traded something for michael thomas i don't know we're, we're, they we're have an algorithm away. that decides to just drop shows out of nowhere and it's they're they're dicks about it one of my favorite shows just came back so i don't know if you watched justified back in the early 2000s Justified's back it's a they have a eight season like eight mini episodes and it's directed by Quentin Tarantino. Shut up. It's a true story. When Timothy Oliphant was in once upon a time in Hollywood, That's a win. directed by Quentin Tarantino, he was such a fan of the series. And at one time he told the story on the rich Eisen show, Timothy Oliphant did, and that Quentin Tarantino was going to come direct a couple of episodes of justified. And they were on the show. And, you know, we, we use the, the expression, take your shot. Timothy Oliphant said, well, hey, I've had this idea of like uh, the only Leonard Elmore book that hasn't been done is Justified City Primeval. And it is now in 
So, so episodic viewing, they gave you the first two, and then now it's going to be every Tuesday night and for like the next five weeks. It's streaming on Hulu. It feel I, I, I like the, the, the bingeable shows, but it feels so good to have something to look forward to. Like every Tuesday night, I take my son to baseball practice. And literally every Tuesday night, as soon as we finish eating dinner, like late and I get out of the shower, I, that's like, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things to have a show to, to watch. So you got to check it out, man. Goodbye, Netflix. Hello, Hulu. There you go. Looking for a Hulu sponsorship to all the good folks listening at Hulu. We'd love to have your uh, your uh, your ads right here on the Player Profiler Network. I don't know how to end this show, so fuck it. I'm just going to do this. Hey, you like that video? Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my Dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. As a member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say my favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, Shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. won a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak